Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everyone and welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm Josh, joined today by Ben Roy Turner. Hello there. And Jules Gill. Hello. Because we're transforming this fully and officially into the Colin Salmon Appreciation Podcast <sighs> as we have more Resident Evil news, this time relating to the movie. So it's kind of relevant. It kind of works. The actor is not involved, but he was at one point involved <laughs> with the Resident Evil movie project. He I'm, could be I'm, back. I'm genuinely fuming because I sat down here <laughs> and I read the title of what we were going to talk about in the podcast and at no point did I think that we were going to talk about Colin Blood. Salmon again. Well, we, I, I am I am sick of hearing about God. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'd go for a pint with him. I'd probably say, "Oh, you he were in the nice. evil film for a bit." Well, that's the obvious endpoint of this entire running joke. I think to go for a pint <laughs> with Colin Salmon hey, look, at some I, point and make Ben Roy's life. I met what. him. I met him. We spoke about his him as part of the James Bond films. He and his partner Resident Evil films. I don't care. And <laughs> also, <laughs> how he's going to be in every Resident Evil film from now on. Right, I'll tell you what. Um, so to make Ben Roy's wish come true again, why don't you, everyone who's listening, uh, use the hashtag uh, Ben Roy Salmon and we will get... Ben, and tweet we'll get, Colin as well yeah, at the same tweet time. Colin Salmon and we'll get this going. <laughs> if you can make him respond, just be like, what the hell is going on? That reminds me, Josh, we do go actually on. need to say something before we dive in, which is um, that we actually do have a hashtag for people to ask us questions so that we can answer them. Because as this podcast is growing and obviously we've moved off of video to audio we want to make sure that we're addressing the community and being able to engage with them so use the hashtag and i'm going to forget this i'm going to say wcgp what culture gaming podcast that makes it works that's perfect so yeah just um, send a hashtag with a question to that we'll check it and then we'll answer your questions on the next podcast please do because one of the downsides of being audio only now Mm. is that we don't get the comments we don't get the response as much and we want to hear what you guys have to say we want to answer some of the questions i think it'll be nice considering we do this three times a week to have Mm. your say and be able to you know discuss what the people are listening otherwise it's just us talking to each other and not knowing if anyone's even there it's kind of quite good it's kind of like being a, a youtube comment as a, as a threesome because it's just like we're just yeah. shouting into the void with no one actually listening to us a little bit <laughs> hope that's not the case anyway what? what today's topic is on oh. is are we entering a new golden era of video game movies or video game adaptations and what spurred this thought is that over the past few weeks and i guess months we've had a lot of projects that have been greenlit or announced including the Resident Evil Netflix show, which oh, is yes. apparently coming, another Silent Hill movie from the director of the original movie, oh, yes. and a Fatal Frame adaptation set in Japan. Oh, oh no. 
these were rumoured or leaked over the past week or so. Mm. And it's got me thinking, maybe after the recent success mm. of, you know, uh, t adaptations like The Witcher, mm. which we brushed upon um, last week, maybe we're finally getting good adaptations of these properties that we all know and love. Maybe Hollywood and streamers are finally taking notice of the potential and the money they've been sitting on for not doing these projects justice. Well, if you look at the um, uh, properties that you've just announced, all of them share a horror theme. Yeah. And horror is extremely marketable. And as uh, Stranger Things and a few other Netflix original shows... Even Castlevania done, that was on Netflix. That's, that's on very Netflix. true, yeah. yeah. Like, there seems to be a real calling for this sort of like pseudo-horror, like uh, episodic format. I mean, I can't think potentially I can't see how the Silent Hill one's going to work outside of just being a movie that is on there that I don't think that would work as an episodic yeah. thing but the Resident Evil one sets yeah. itself up perfectly because like, there was so Benroy and I did a video recently on um the Nemesis Explained. Yeah. And we had to dive deep into figuring out like all of the past of Umbrella, all of the different mutations and viruses and people involved in that. And when you actually break down Resident Evil lore, it's surprisingly complex. Like there's lots of interconnecting things. So if there was time dedicated to telling the story of Raccoon City before, or well, I was going to say after, but it's definitely very, <laughs> yeah. uh, very finite what happens to at the end of Resident Evil 3. But you know what I mean? There could be some Even real things like, like stuff there. when you pick up a collectible in Resident Evil 1, like there's a bit of paper that refers to to one thing and then that gets fleshed out three games later yeah that's it's just true. like it, there is so much there like how the how the virus came about like for we, mm. we didn't really find out until five the proper origins like from the sale of the sun in africa do you know do you know as well um having episodic content actually mitigates the risk of a project because sure. even though you are spending a lot more time effort and therefore money in making it it's tv rather than film and tv as we all know is much cheaper to produce yeah and also it means that if you're releasing it, um, I can't remember. Is it Godless? The season um, they have released. They released a kind of. Uh, they called it a limited series because they're still shooting and filming the okay. first season. So I think that what happens is is that they're actually almost waiting for feedback to adapt and change for the second half. Yeah. So there is ways of actually changing the. Um, the the flow of your of your project midway even if people aren't resonating with that's, it properly. I didn't know that. That's almost like a pilot season. You know what yeah, I mean? You have this mini run to get really your bearings. Really weird way of doing stuff. Double down on the it. good thing about like especially series as well because if you look at like the games are more like books where there's so much longer form. There's like mm. so much more in there to be like discovered. Like when I remember the rumors forever that was get a Walking Dead movie before we got the series. Oh yeah, and like you'd think about, yeah, that'd be cool, but how much can you really get into two and a half hours, three hours yeah. in a movie? So, whereas games, especially like one game can take you what's like five to ten hours for some of these games, yeah. like especially Resident Evil games, they're not sure unless you do the weird knife front speed runs. The, um, the Walking Dead is the perfect example yeah. for how to do a horror series right. I mean, look Until at what, it sort of burns out. Well, this, this thing, interesting, uh, loads of people really dislike the second season of The Walking Dead because it's yeah. so uh, located on the farm and apparently yeah. in the books you're not there or the graphic novels, you're not there for very long. But what it did was it still managed to take those elements of basically nothing, stretch out so much, and people still loved it. Like, I know that the viewership and critical reception was down, but they still carried on for, what, seven, eight It became seasons? the biggest TV show in the world for quite a few years. Exactly. Yeah. And that was after that, quote, bad season. 
I, I, I wonder why now, though. It, I, I, know, I understand maybe for Resident Evil because obviously we're getting the remake, the announcements of Resident Evil 8 and stuff like that, but 2020, is it just because it's a date that they can slap on and say, uh, like, this is going to be... I do think it's because of Netflix as a streamer. I think they're, over the past few years, they've doubled down on great or at least popular, you know, television content. Mm. They have some of the biggest shows in the world, even shows like You, which I don't particularly love, or Strange What's Things. That? I don't know what that, that is. That is the uh, stupid, sexy serial killer one. I, I've never seen it, Jules, I, but I, I know it's immensely popular. It's got like 60 million views. Is that the tagline like for a stupid, sexy killer? It yeah. should be, I think. I think that's the that's the point. They make the joke now where it says like, you is back on Netflix, because obviously you spell you as well. Yeah. But um, was it because a lot of their big series have kind of wind down slash come to an end, like House of Cards has gone in recent years, mm. Orange, Orange and the Black, like one more season left. Yeah. Stranger Things is one more season apparently as well. That's a good point, actually, because um, Stranger Things and Orange is the New Black represented some amazing original ideas yeah. but if we're being brutally honest guys they have been going on for too long there needs to be new blood to take over this I thought Orange is the New Black was going to finish two seasons ago oh, so. I, thought it, I thought it was finished full yeah. stop after the second season because they told the best story that they actually had I know this isn't part of the podcast but I was seriously just like how are you going to top this and then season three came out and it's like oh you're not then yeah, yeah. sick okay cool that's, weirdly enough that's when I stopped watching after three and I never got back to it and annoyingly the thing is with a Resident Evil series is you could have one series in one game and one series and another and you don't have to follow specific yeah. characters all the way through so you could like it's weird you could take the Ubisoft model where one team works on let's say like series one but then the other one's on season, season mm. two with different characters in a different setting so I don't know if we've ever had something like that before but I think that could be a good idea for it as well <laughs> the Resident Evil one it's if we were stuck in a mansion for the entire first season, I don't know if that would work. But what would work to it is the lead up to it, yeah. as in like the development, the sort of coming together of the minds, the betrayal. Imagine like a um, a Game of Thrones style thing of people betraying and trying to manipulate each other, but to do with viruses and like sure. trying to like stop the spread of information going and stuff. Like that. that could actually be really interesting. That would be awesome. All we know so far, according to this leak, which was picked up by a Witcher fan site called Redanian Intelligence, is that it's going to be eight episodes long. Each episode. Okay. 60 minutes it's going to start shooting in June in South Africa but I do think that Ooh, more standard, to the sun. standard um, um, approach would work like you could follow a, a certain character one season a certain yeah. character the next but then they could have those interweaving plots almost Game of Thrones-esque where you mm. are building on this you know much larger world this much larger narrative and even if you know you might not see a character for a while you know they're there you know they're impacting the plot and somehow and I do th agree with you Benroy that the, the game series themselves have like <laughs> such a rich law and that was always an appeal for me as a younger player mm. like I spent so many hours that I've forgotten now on wiki pages of that game like looking into the history of the T-virus and stuff and I think Netflix again just echoing what you two have been saying works as a as a great platform for allowing creative risks mm. you don't mm. have to dumb it down for a two hour mainstream audience you can you know have these exciting episodes of high production values but then you can go into the nerdy stuff you can go into the yeah. origins of you know the T-virus and really go into the complexities the political complexities of um, the stories but this that kind of inf the information that you've just given me there it suddenly makes me think of what is the tone of this project going to be because let's face it and I'm not saying this with hate in my heart Benroy but the Resident Evil films are dumb 
They are dumb fun, but that is fine for yeah, what it is. I, I know they're the not. games are dumb in, in, in many places. They're not deep. But maybe this TV show needs to be more serious. Because imagine trying to just stick hundreds and hundreds of zombies on, on screen for an <clears throat> hour at a time. That, that's too much. That's asking the audience investment level to be so like, oh, it's so adrenaline fueled. They'll be numb to it by You'd the end of the series. you definitely build up to it like with The Walking Dead where yeah. we only got a few and then we got more and more and more sort of thing. But I agree with you. The, the Resident Evil films are dumb and when they try to go serious with two, like the big sort of like the weird like sort of like not like love oh, triangle between nemesis and so giving them emotions strange. that's one of the worst ones for that reason oh and the final chapter's crap mm. but uh but i think they relied more on just the let's just do some really cool moves and yeah. see how we can like kill zombies but with this i feel like it would be more of a i think a slower paced sort of mm. mystery because how i would if i was to do season one go after games i'd combined RE1 and Zero in the same sort of series. That would be perfect. And I would cut between the two things and also Wesker's subplot and Birkin and Birkin's problems with mm. actual higher-up umbrella and maybe even have one scene with the Ashfords just showing like something teasing to Co-Veronica sort of mm -hmm. thing. But yeah, I think this would have to be a, a sort of slower-paced sort of series. And th when they say Africa... Like, are they going? Yeah, are they going to be going all the way back to like the 1980s and start that yeah. way, or are we going to be cutting to and from and sort of having the lore explained? You've kind of answered your own question there because the um, uh, audiences around the world unanimously are in love with the 80s. There's something about that aesthetic and time that people yeah. really resonate with. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if they started out in the 1980s with the people discovering the forgotten temples and all the creatures there like maybe we would see none of the characters that we're familiar with but getting a group of explorers finding it for the first time and then yeah. bad stuff happening the characters we sort of recognize and know and love and some we hate are almost distracting yeah because yeah. Like, yeah as much as like uh the resident evil 5 the film i mm -hmm. forget the name right now retribution retribution but when like nicely done josh well, i'm yeah. annoyingly <laughs> like them as much as this idiot over here i watched that film last week maybe, maybe we need to do a um a quiz on the gaming thing of the resident evil quiz then in that case yes. <laughs> uh um, i've actually wrote one on whatculture.com oh, oh check that out <laughs> but uh yeah they're almost distracting when you see like Leon S. Kennedy on screen mm -hmm. rather than say like uh, a character called One played by Colin Salmon who's really oh good God. but I th <laughs> how did you manage to get Colin Salmon out of that sentence <laughs> but yeah I think if you start off and slowly bring these characters in mm -hmm. like drips and drabs maybe show them I don't want like say a big deep into what they were doing in the stars office for like years before as the evil one happened yeah. but maybe show a little bit of that like say an episode or two before things actually go down or maybe have it go down like pre one and then actually happen yeah. in the same episode I mean, they've got so much potential with this as well but do we know much more about the Silent Hill stuff well the, the, the Silent Hill movie is apparently go it's going to be a movie for one not right, a okay. Netflix adaptation yeah. it's going to be directed by Christoph Gans who directed the first movie and not the abysmal second so mm. that is promising and he He's also going to do the Fatal Frame movie, both going to be horror-tinged. Fatal Frame is going to be set in Japan. They sound like they're going to be separate entities, but still it sort of adds up for me to this kind of the new approach, or at least hopeful new approach by both movie studios and streamers, because we've got big movies to look forward to, like um, Uncharted, which mm -hmm. I know will be controversial, mm -hmm. but we've got the Mortal Kombat, which, uh, the Mortal Kombat movie, which seems to be gaining quite a lot of steam, steam and momentum. The mm. casting for that has been absolutely spot on, in my opinion. I think they're going down the right avenue with it. And we've got Netflix, who have picked up um, The Division from Ubisoft, yep. which stars Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> and uh, yeah. Jessica Chastain. It's directed by David Leach, who did... Um, 
Deadpool 2 and the first John Wick and Atomic Blonde. So it's a good it's, cast. There's it, a lot of good promise there. The Division could be good if they actually went like proper like political thriller with it with yeah. the whole... Yeah, uh, actual lean into it like so, two with like we're not political, but then you have oh the only people with guns survived <laughs> and like the money flew and everything like that. There's such great groundwork there for yeah. it to be a, a really interesting thing. Well, the division's uh, main plot is that the world's gone to absolute hell in a handbasket, yeah. isn't it? And it's just yeah. like there's a few ragtag people. That division two blatantly says in the intro like oh only the people with guns were, were survived the first few <laughs> so weeks. So basically, buy your guns yeah. now, yeah. NRA approved. Yeah. Well, I, I love the setting of the first game. I, I played the second the first game for quite a while and I was quite into it. Played and, it so uh, much. I loved it because it's this um, perpetual Black Friday. You know, the world mm. went to hell on Black mm-hmm, Friday mm-hmm. because of this plague, and you're sort of stuck in that time zone against this, you know, dystopian, mercenary kind of, you know, band of, band of, not brothers, what's the other thing? Rogues. Rogues, that's it, a band of rogues. But, but, and I think that has the potential, like mm. you said, Benroy, of like telling, you know, good stories, especially when you've got a good crew attached to it like this does. And two just really, I felt like if it fell flat a bit and there was not as much like in there like it was mm. the same sort of again but Washington for me wasn't as a compelling setting does, does anyone else find it kind of strange that Division like has got these elements of like it's a looter shooter it's a you know squad based sort of thing but there is the definitive horror element that is completely un- uh, like ignored you get like, that a bit the, in the first one the, yeah. the whole thing of like a plague that has swept the land and has killed everyone and the only people that are left are like bloodthirsty bandits that's actually terrifying yeah. Yeah. and yeah that's like Last of Us style thing and yet I, don't, I never feel when I'm playing that game that those issues are like actually made apparent especially in the second one the second one's just kind of like neon guns like <laughs> loads of like colours everywhere and I'm just like exactly. okay Oh, right. Well, I think that's why the first one resonated more with me because it felt like I was playing I Am Legend without the zombies, mm. like with the zombies replaced with raiders. And I thought that sort of the isolation when you're around this, um, you know, great depiction of Manhattan, you've mm-hmm. got the huge buildings around you, and you just sort of feel like a small cog in the machine kind yeah. of trying to survive. But they, like you said, they didn't lean on that very much, which is a weird shame. I think they had some DLC, survival DLC, where you had Maybe to you know, push a little bit further push into yeah. a little bit further into that, but that was not part of the main game. You, you know what they should do? I know that they've got a very serious tone and they've got like a very serious cast in there, but the fact that there's Deadpool 2 director in there, potentially theirs could work in some comedy. Have you guys ever seen the um, the TV show uh, Will Fort's Last Man on Earth? I have, no. actually. Right, underrated, <laughs> unfortunately has been cancelled and we'll never get to see it again, but the concept of literally being the last person alive and what you would do with that, and he just spends most of his time just dicking about me <laughs> and he's just being an, an absolute arse and it's just amazing imagine Jake Gyllenhaal in that he situation he Jake Gyllenhaal I know he funny, can yeah. and yeah. imagine him just going like, like oh he's walking around shooting bandits in the day bowling balls with like mannequins in the evening so sort of they just being really weird that'd be great I'd have a bit of that to be fair yeah. I, I want, I, I, you know what I'd watch Jake Gyllenhaal doing absolutely anything to yeah man I think he's such a good actor he's I, really I have to say though sure. what I'm actually quite the most intrigued for is probably Silent Hill Yes. Because I really, I, what's your, I'm going to say my opinion last. What's mm-hmm. your opinion on the first film, Jules? Um, right, okay. So I actually had my opinion of this film changed fairly recently okay. um, for the better by Ash Millman, who uh, sent me an essay that somebody had written that the entire subtext of that film can be changed completely if you think about it through the terms of the male gaze. And I was like, I was approaching that film from a huge fanboy of the series. So therefore, I was... I liked the visual spectacle of some of it, like the skin ripping off and the nurses being there the was sound great. As well. like, and the sound design was fantastic, but there was a huge problem that I had in that it didn't fit the character, as in 
these were another protagonists from the game's manifestations of fear. So why was the central character of the film experiencing them? Like Pyramid Head and the sexy nurses, they were nothing to do with her character. They were manifestations of something else. Yeah. The director then said in this essay, or the person in the essay quoted them as saying, like, it, Silent Hill is a collection of memories rather than a single person's thing. So I was like, okay, that explains it. That was never explained in the film. But when you look at it as terms of the male gaze as well, with it all just being about sexual violation and all about, like, oppression and, like, gender, like, um, inequality. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I was like, actually, this film's good. Like, I, I, if, if you think of it in those terms. But the film just never expressly told you or set itself out to be that. It just looked yeah. like it was trying to cash in. I do think that's why the first one has a lot more to it than the second. Mm. Because oh, the second one's dire. Which, like, yeah. it, it's dire, it's yeah. bad. But I remember at the time, that was actually really anticipated because mm-hmm. the director of that movie was saying about how faithful he was going to be to... How faithful they were going to be and to the, the source material. Because it, it was only iconography. It was only, you know, hitting those beats and it mm. had nothing, you know below the surface yeah. it was just he's some stuff from Silent Hill he's some he's some gore uh, yeah. can I cash this paycheck now <laughs> yeah. Sean Bean isn't gonna die here either <laughs> yeah. what do you know what I loved about it the most though is that there was no trace of Colin Salmon <laughs> <laughs> well don't worry because he came back again Resident Evil 5 oh my god you. stop oh. but what is your opinion on it then because you were, uh, the first one it's weird because I you go going to watch it because I couldn't watch the first Resident Evil film when it came out all the mm. way through when they when uh, that guy gets pulled into the door and gets ripped apart yeah I I as a young boy I just cried a bit I was like no, I can't watch this <laughs> fair enough so when Silent Hill came out I was like oh, this is gonna ruin me this I can't do this and um, 
I really just enjoy the atmosphere and mm. like for me everything sort of came together and it did feel like a bit of like the greatest hits of Silent Hill obviously we I didn't know how to look deeper into it back when it came out which was like 2004 trust me that should never be on the impetus of the audience to look yeah. deeper into the film a filmmaker if they want to be successful I, should be able to tell a message without it actually being something that you have to study I'm just that's just my opinion I like being scared as well so yeah. as for me uh, especially Pyramid Head I've always found a bit terrifying and uh, it wasn't that long after Silent Hill 3 I think mm. so I remember playing that game like at midnight just like ruining myself but what for, a great game by the way yeah, oh, yeah. just it, everything about that film I kind of was into apart from like how it was a bit smushed together at the end mm. I think there has been a sort of you know a reappraisal of it over the past yeah. few years because at the time a lot of people didn't like it because of the changes they made to the source material but now when you appreciate it on its own merits you can kind of look back especially because we've had so many bad video game movies yeah, I, in like, the interim it's like standing alongside the usual suspects yeah. and that one standing out because the rest of them are actually much worse I ironically like Colin Salmon's Resident Evil oh but I <laughs> actually quite it's, like Silent Hill you just bumped it up now it's, it's, like, the, it's like the subtitle Colin Salmon presents Resident Evil look I regret this so much <laughs> <laughs> it was a throwaway joke at the opening of this video, and now it's going to stick forever. Give me that chance, and I'm going to be there every Wednesday. Do we, do we know if the if this is going to be a this is sorry this is a film? Yes, this is definitely a film. And the um, original yeah. director's coming back to basically redo it effectively. To uh, it's, it's unclear. He just said that um, he's making another Silent Hill, so we don't mm -hmm. know whether it's going to be a continuation of what he started or it's going to be a complete. I think it'd be the same. No. Also, the, the whole fires in the Silent Hill sort of like franchise have been mm. stoked with all the rumors of Konami yeah. actually grinding up gears for more games and oh is Kojima coming back now are they friends again are they holding hands now I'm just I'm gonna put the nail in that coffin straight away because have you actually ever researched how much money Konami makes off of pachinko machines and the Silent Hill thing they yeah. make absolute bank there is no way that they would want to take a risk well, on developing another game when they can make three times the money for zero effort recently relearned that while watching James May Our Man in Japan oh, like oh, how okay. went through one of them and you go in there like I don't know if you have any of you have ever seen footage of these pachinko halls but they're um, so loud they're louder than chaotic small aircrafts yeah but it's weird how they i think they're almost getting back into games for a bit to mm. get more source material for more pachinko machines <laughs> so instead it'll be like they'll introduce a new version of pyramid head like yeah. cube boy because there's, and like, like there's a few them. um silent hill pachinko machines and there's a like all like it's it's so disheartening snakey it being like sort of redone but just for pachinko yeah, all those cutscenes yeah. you're like mm -hmm. give me the game well that's sort of it as well I mean they must be sitting on a gold mine they've yeah. got all these beloved IPs and they can do something with them but like you said they're currently not needing to I wonder whether they're just sort of trying to future proof it they've had a few years of pachinko success and now they're realising we could probably do with winning back some yeah, fans yeah. or putting some games out to let people know we're still here so they want to keep buying but, uh, playing. but it's like when you see your favourite bands say that they're going to go on another farewell tour I'm looking at you Rolling Stones and <laughs> you're basically just like oh you're just getting old and sad just Falling stop. soup on that same, um, you know, wavelength. They've done. They did a goodbye UK tour about three years ago and have toured here about three times <laughs> since. And look, I love a bit of bowling for soup, but you can't can't go around throwing it. That it's a Mate, goodbye tour. I'm going I'm, I'm to reality check you right now. Hawthorne Heights are still playing. They they are playing tonight. That's why I know it. Yeah. That's I know. <laughs> so if you're in the Newcastle area, go see Hawthorne Heights. <laughs> be one of 13 people who still remembers them. Ash Milman will be there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, we should probably oh, talk about... Go on. Sorry, 
Can we just do one short bit on Fatal Frame? Absolutely, because I don't actually know much about the franchise, so. What a series. If you've not had a chance to play it, I totally recommend it to you because the concept of the game is that it's uh, Japanese horror, very, very traditional Japanese horror with so many creepy, creepy moments, genuinely unsettling, that focuses a lot around the use of cameras. And it's like camera flashes taking photos of ghosts. Suddenly they'll appear in your screen. Uh, Night vision stuff will happen. It's like, it's about using the uh, getting the first person perspective that horror right up in your face so if they can use any of those elements for a TV series or a film with that license it is going to do well so I think at the beginning when you face was mentioned I mm. did a bit of a face but I forgot which game this was mm. the scary ghost game with the cameras yeah, yeah. yeah. and <laughs> that's one you rented from Blockbuster you took back the next day because I was so scared it genuinely ruined me as a yeah? kid because I was just like oh I'm used to playing survival horror games this is fine but it was the ways in which they kept on coming up with new ways to scare you with like it's just you know that a ghost is going to appear when you take a photo or you look through the lens of this camera you know it's going to be something bad but it's just how close is it what's it going to be doing you're just like this is it's, awful it's one of the yeah. times where invisible enemies are actually done right yes yeah so imagine that but spread across a, a really creepy film or a TV series, a short TV series of people exploring like found a home footage. Or a, yeah, found footage film. They could bring that back because that again needs a kind of resurgence. A horror fan. Wow. How many boxes is that ticking? <laughs> a, Jap, a traditional Japanese found footage horror film based on a video game IP property from the early 2000s. Yes, please. This, this is literally a hipster's paradise. <laughs> of like, this is, they were things that were once cool that can now be cool again. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned found footage because I'm a sucker for any sort of gimmick like that. I love mm. the inevitability of horror, like you were saying there. You've got a camera, you know there's a ghost in the room, but you've just got to have to go through the process of clicking that button, seeing the flash, getting the photo, and it's just that that idea is so inherently scary to me, mm. and I do think it makes a great game, because I've never actually played the original um, titles, but I've watched people play it, and I've watched yeah. essays on it, because I'm fascinated by you know the entire concept, the entire structure, and I do think it lends itself very brilliantly, very brilliantly to Fatal Frame as a mm. series. I do think it actually has had an adaptation before. I think yes, in, it, it in has. Japan, I think it has had a, a movie or two that's come out. There has been some yeah. sort of media presence of it, but unfortunately I've not watched either or, or one of those things, but I will, because mm. it's... I think I know why. Uh, I think I just worked out. I think I've just come up with. Oh, it. Is he why, answering the question? <laughs> uh, found footage films. I, I find uh, me specifically find them so like mm. in front and scary is because kind of like games. You just it feels so claustrophobic and you can't yeah. stop. You have yeah. it keeps going forward. Like obviously a film, you can look away, but it just feels like you're you're part of the you're part of moving it around, especially with the whole camera movements and you see something in the corner. Mm -hmm. What was that? It's like it's like um uh, the Resident Evil uh, Seven on VR. Yes. Like my my dry cleaning bill is shot up. Like the amount of poo stains that need to be washed still out. Still not paid like, on VR. Mine's still my, my, all my clothes from that session still in the corner of my room. That's you know, why they call you. The that, that's so. why they call you Josh Brown. That's exactly yeah, why they call yeah. me Josh Brown. Yeah. He's my dad had like amazing foresight. You, you, yeah. you thought one day this is going to become incredibly relevant. <laughs> there you go. That's your name. I, I still haven't done it in VR, but I think if I did, that ruined me. It's yeah. it's it's it's. it's Great stuff, and I hope the next game, whatever that is, oh, yeah. after our last podcast, mm -hmm. is also in VR. Um, I suppose we should wrap this up just by looking at some of the other projects in development, sure. because we've had the bunch of Netflix stuff, like The Division, The Witcher, Castlevania. Uh, we're also going to get, very soon, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. So ready for this to be either amazing or terrible. I will not accept anything Happy in between. Valentine's Day. I know, man. It's brilliant. <sighs> I think this movie, right, we've, we've asked the question, are we entering a new golden age? I think 
we'll know in about a week's time when that comes out because if it's good, it's going to join the likes of Detective Pikachu yeah. in being, you know, these quite interesting animated adaptations. Mm. And if it's bad, it's going to be confirmation that ah, they don't know what they're doing yeah. still somehow. I watched uh, one of those little teaser clips that they put out. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I laughed. Mm. I had a little chuckle to myself. It was the bit where Jim Carrey just goes, I didn't expect that. But then again, I expected the unexpected, so it doesn't count. And I just, <laughs> and I was just like, I realized that I just love Jim Carrey so much that I will follow him into the earth. Still going like that. How old is he now? 50 something? Yeah, he's going to have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. like, like, I'm sorry, but his lifestyle and his kinetic energy is not going to be maintainable for very much longer. The man has a, a rubber face and he has had it for years. Yeah. That's all I've, it, it works for him, you know? Like yeah. Jim, Jim Carrey can continue to be Jim Carrey until you know his last days and i'll be there for it like he is he is just a very he's he's a funny man and that sounds reductive but i've yeah. liked him since i was a kid i go back to those movies now i like the stuff he's in now and yeah. i just i feel like he gets he gets sort of pigeonholed as this sort of you know one note sort of actor but yeah. i do think he genuinely has like a lot of range and it's hard to do comedy it's hard to do comedy well and ah, give him give him lots of props. Man. Have you have you watched um, uh, I Love You, Philip Morris? I think that's what the title is. I haven't seen that. It's amazing. Him and Ewan McGregor play a, a gay couple who are constantly torn apart, and it's a comedy. But it's just it he act they the acting in it is just phenomenal. It's just yeah. really really good. Well, he's really great in um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Of as well, course, yeah. Excellent. And he did um, Room Twenty Three. Is that what it's called? Uh, room, the number twenty. The number twenty. Bad movie, but he's pretty good in it. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah, that was his first like drama role, effectively, wasn't it? Or one his of the first horror like movie, sort it, of yeah. essentially. I want to end on Ben Wheatley's Tomb Raider Two because the Tomb Raider movie that came oh, out course, is getting yeah. a sequel. And for me, it was an okay uh, adaptation. I know a lot of people like fun it. romp. A fun romp, wasn't it? Unoffensive. But the 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 appointment of Ben Wheatley, who has made films like Kill List and Sightseers mm -hmm. and Free Fire, I think is very interesting, very left field. He wouldn't take this project on, I don't think, unless he could do something interesting no. with it, which makes me excited and again makes me hope that Hollywood and movie producers in general are try are finally, you know, realizing they've got good material. Mm. They don't just need to make these rote adaptations. They can give it to interesting yeah. directors like David Leach and like Ben Wheatley and actually, you know, make something and that satisfies fans and gives us something we didn't know we wanted. I think that we have um, films like uh, Joker to thank for that because it's basically giving a really classic IP to somebody who potentially wouldn't be the person you would think of and letting them do what is exactly. effectively an art film and all but name. And I genuinely think that if we can get more films that do that and then just have the elements, the, the core be the video game adaptation, I think we'll really see some interesting stories being told. As, as you just said with elements, I think like the elements of Kill List could really work with a Tomb Raider, especially mm. when you go back to original reboot Tomb Raider when it was very sort of like dark and scary towards the beginning, yeah. a bit claustrophobic. I think that could really work well. Yeah, yeah. I think that grittiness sort of lends <clears throat> itself well to the rebooted Tomb Raider series. Mm -hmm. Like you can get the sort of supernatural influences in there. You have the dark, you know, horror stuff, like you said, Ben Roy, and then also the grittiness of the action Com combined with pretty good character work that's already there. I mean, if I'm honest, out of all of the IPs that we've listed today, I know that some of them are going to be movies, but I want to see the majority of them be done for TV but not it's it's hard to explain why without sounding like uh, because I want it to look like crap because I know that the budgets will be considerably lower but it forces people to be clever about how they shoot certain things I mean The it Witcher like, looks great yeah The Witcher looks great admittedly it has had a ton of money that has been put into yeah. it that does rival like some sort of small fe uh, feature films but it's just 
I really think that it makes you uh, into it forces directors to be clever with their shots. Yeah. If you can't, if you if you want to show a giant mm -hmm. monster but you can't have the budget for it, how do you show it? You show the destruction of the scenery or something else. Like there's like ways, early Game of Thrones. Yeah, there's ways of doing these things that actually make it more impactful. And I I would agree. I think. For the for all the projects we've mentioned here, Netflix I think mm. seems to be a nice fit. Not only do the people there seem to understand that there's untapped potential in this market, but like you said, they they give them the creative freedom to kind of do what they want. Yeah. They have the the longer runtime. They can they are forced to get creative with it. They're not just trying to dumb it down and make it mass appeal. They are they have a bunch of episodes. They have to get creative with how they structure the scripts and how they structure the characters. Mm. And with that freedom, hopefully, should come you know a balance between pleasing the fans and also breathing life. In into these projects into it in a different way in a different medium because games for better or worse are all are already kind of like movies in the yes. way that they yeah. they are structured and TV perhaps lends itself better to do something slightly different slightly more interesting mm. slightly more appealing and I think The Witcher is good, even though it's based on you know the books, books yeah. yeah I think a lot of fans are video game fans and yeah. they seem to have for the most part enjoyed it and games aren't trying to punch up anymore to, to films like they they've sort of asserted their dominance now and like we don't need to play Oh, but they're just like movies. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Games are games. But yeah. I still want to see a bunch of adaptations of them. <laughs> yeah. I think they're going to do well. I, I don't know what you guys think. Oh, sorry, Ben. Right? I'll just say, as we know, Resident Evil made a billion dollars. Oh but God. should we bring new grounds here and quickly ask one question? Come on, Go on then. So Nicholas got to us on Twitter and he said, uh, you're allowed to take uh, only play one games console for the rest of time. What one do you choose and why? Love us all. Oh, Thank you, Nicholas. Um... One games console for the end of all time. Yeah. I would choose, for me, it's going to have to be the uh, Super Nintendo Entertainment System because I have had the most fun with some of the games on there and with obscure titles or slightly obscure titles like Sunset Riders and The Firemen and the, the Street Fighter Turbo Edition, the Street Fighter 2 Turbo Edition. It's just kind of like, that's my childhood right there, so I probably would say that. Plus, in a weird way... Not that I encourage any torrenting of any sites, but if you were yes. to torrent every single SNES game that was ever made <laughs> from a certain website, Emu Paradise, if you were to go there, then it would only total 1.6 gigabytes. Reggie Fees mate's coming for you now. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> if you were, I own all the copies that I play. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think I'd go off the Switch for this, which is mm. mad because I'm not usually a Nintendo person. And I would, I naturally went to the PlayStation 4 because I do think that has a ridiculous amount of games. But the portability of the Switch, man, is something that makes me feel wholesome. And sometimes when it comes to video games, I feel bogged down by systems. And I think for me, the Switch, all of its games give me a nice, warm feeling in my mm. tum tum and they are not particularly <laughs> overwhelming they're not particularly incredibly challenging there's they're very diverse and i think i could play that thing forever and the games mm. in it there might be less games than on something like the playstation 2 or the playstation 4 but i would enjoy every single second of my yeah. time with it if that yeah. makes sense I you pretty expect me to see like you know the Xbox One because it's got Game Pass and Phil, <laughs> oh, and Phil Spencer's God. amazing. Why are we but, not sponsored by them? Uh, I'm just gonna be basic and see the PS4. I mean, come on, man! How many games are coming to the PS4 still? How many games have we got back there? Like, I have memories of like Resident Evil 4 on the PS2 yeah. and the Wii and stuff. So you're not going for, going backwards. You're going for. I'm just gonna go PS4 because I've got a lot on there. I mean, there are some <laughs> titles that challenge you in life, like Sekiro, and I'm just glad that's oh, done. God. But yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna say thanks for that, Nicholas. But I'm gonna go thanks, PS4. Nicholas. You know what? It's like a really good question, and I think we should probably do a full podcast on it because yeah, there's so yeah. many ways yeah. you could, like analyze. You know what makes the 
not the best console, but the most playable console. Whether is it the games? Is it the, is it the, the way? It's, I don't know. It, we should, I like it. A we, lot. Should, we, should, we should all go away, secretly choose a console, our favorite console of all time, then come back with the top ten games and sell it to the other person. Let's do that. Yes. I know what you guys think down in the comments mm. below. Are you looking forward to the next era of video game movies and adaptations? And which video game console would you? play forever endeavor endeavor as always um leave us your comments and, yep, and questions at the hashtag wc p p g on twitter wcgp thank you we completely oh, messed up it. but yeah that one we will tweet it out no doubt um, and we'll try to get to them on the next episode mm. and we tweet out all the podcasts now like um just after they've gone up so if you can't find them on a custom reason just go to our twitter and you'll find them yeah yes. it will be there but as always i've been josh i've been joined by jules thank you very much for having me and ben roy goodbye and we'll see you soon bye, bye. colin salmon stop whispering <laughs> <laughs>